0: Good morning. Well, good morning, Overflow. It is nice to be here and to be with you. I've heard so much about you, different things about you. I've heard that you're a spirit-led church, which is, first of all, encouraging. But I've also just heard great reports about you and what God is doing here. It's an honor for me today to come and to serve underneath Elijah and the whole team. And I'm just so grateful for this opportunity. I um, I want you to know today, I just come as we kick off this series called Family Matters. Uh, I'm just going to talk to you this morning, this afternoon, about 4.30. I'm coming back with one of our counselors. Elijah's going to mention this in a bit. I think you've seen it. Well, you didn't see it on the video because the screen's not working. But there's going to be this afternoon a time for you to come and ask questions and learn things together. And I want you to know I come today as one who does not know it all. Uh, My wife is here with me, but she's with me online because she's in Florida right now with a friend. Walked the beach this morning. Not fair. So um, she is here with me, uh, but we have been a couple who has experienced a lot of challenges in our family. Uh, I've been broken. I've been humbled. I've had wayward child. I've gone through things that I never dreamed I would face on this earth. In fact, if you, if you take me back, I was youth pastor at Central Westland back years and years ago. I know now you looking and you go, really? You're an old man. Right. So 30 years ago, I was youth pastor at Central Westland. If you had come up to me and said, hey, Dan, we've got this series called Family Matters. And, and here's what you need to hear. Uh, God's got you and he'll walk with you. At 30, go back 30 years. I would have been like, yeah, yeah, no, got it, got it. Oh, my goodness, if you had told me in that 30 years what I would face as a dad, as a husband, I would have honestly told you I don't think I'll make it. The only way I made it was because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't say that. Hey, hey, I don't say that as a preacher just to throw out a name. I want to tell you that as I look at society right now, There is one hope for our society It's the name of jesus and you know, he's been laying on my heart Since the pandemic as I would work and prepare sermons and stuff. The lord has been laying very clearly on my heart Say my name say it boldly and say it clearly So this morning what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna say his name bold i'm gonna say it clear and i'm gonna let you apply this message to your family as you see fit I um if I go back 30 years when I would preach a sermon like this, I would try to figure out how to get you to come along and, and be, oh, I got it. And I'd drive away going, oh, man, maybe I missed the mark. At, at 61, I'm 61. I'm going to preach this morning, and the Holy Spirit is the one who does the wooing. That's not my job. My job is to present it to you. Those of you watching online, I'm going to present something to you this morning. I'm going to ask you a question. Who are you? I'm going to ask you the question, who are you? Because if you don't figure this out, your family won't work. And in our society right now, there's an identity crisis going on. People don't know who they are. So when I see that sort of thing, when I see something in our society become so big and everybody wants to talk about it, I always go, red flag. Something going on here. Something's happening here. And I always look to this book for the answer for that. Because um, as many people as are in this room today, I can give y'all my opinion. I can go online and post it and get half y'all to like it and half of you give me a thumbs down. But I'm not here today to talk about opinion. I've walked up onto this platform to honor the Lord God Almighty. You won't hear my opinions today. What I'm going to do is seek to show you things that I believe are found in this book. And I'm, I'm praying, and I'm going to say this pretty boldly, and, and you'll see why as I go through it. If you're in here today and you're like 20 and younger, 25 and younger, I want you to listen today. It'll apply to all of us. But the Lord, when he laid this message on my heart, was like, tell those who are much younger than you what my name really means to them. So Henry Nowen, he's a, a very famous... Dutch theologian, and Henry Nouwen says that as people, we define ourselves by three different things. We define ourselves by what we have, what we do, and what other people have said about us, okay? So I want to to kind of prove that to you. If you go by, you know, what we do, for example, I'm going to say a name, and I want you to tell me who this person is, okay? I'm going to say it. And you respond back. Just say out loud who it is. Those online, you can shout it if you want to. I won't hear you, but we'll play along. So I'm going to say the name. You tell me what this person is, okay? Michael Jordan. Yeah, GOAT NBA basketball player. Do you know what you just did? You just defined him by what he does. But I want to propose to you that Michael Jordan is a person deep inside. Michael Jordan, just like you, and based on the last dance, and I'm I'm all about Michael Jordan being the goat, I always wear something of his. So I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you that Michael Jordan, I I knew him back in college. My brother-in-law was in class with him in North Carolina because I'm from the Carolinas. So I followed Jordan before he was known. Goes to Chicago, becomes famous. I was youth pastor at the time. Would go see him play. It was crazy. People talk about LeBron. Please. So I I just (laughs) I've watched him my whole life. But but what we what we do is we define him for what he did. And I'm going to tell you that Michael Jordan. He wakes up sometimes at 2:30 in the morning, and he wonder how his family's doing. And he wonders, what? why am I here? He got all the money. He got enough money to pay for anything in this room we need. He could do anything he wants, he could do. But I would tell you, Jordan has sleepless nights. And the reason is because I believe that Michael Jordan sometimes honestly wonders what his purpose on the earth is. When I was youth pastor at Central... As it worked out, um, Jordan's neighbor was my friend. Like Jordan lived in Florida in the off season, and his neighbor was a friend of mine. Like literal neighbor, like his neighbor would say, send me a message or call me and say, "Hey Dan, I watched Jordan. He just went out and got his mail." Because Jordan, I, it's crazy for us to think about it. with Jordan. He said Jordan ran out in his boxers to get his mail out of the mailbox and ran back in. I'm like, "Take a pic," you know. I mean, it's just like. So I knew his address. I knew his home address in Florida, and I would, I would write him a letter every week when I was youth pastor at Central. Every week. I never returned my letter, but I wrote him a letter every week, and I remember the week that his father was killed. And I remember writing him a letter going, I don't know what you're feeling this week. You're NBA champion, but you've got to be a hurting dude today. Because Michael Jordan down deep inside is a person. Some of you in this room, just like Jordan, you're defined by what you do. Like if any of you know who I am and what I do, if Elijah had said last week, hey, Dan C. Warren's coming to speak, you would go, oh, yeah, that's what he is. He's a speaker. He leads winning at home. No, that's what I do. At 2.30 in the morning when I wake up, I'm not thinking about all that. I'm thinking about who am I in the Lord? Yeah. See, you're here today, and you're maybe 16. Right now, the world is making you go, Who am I? Why am I here? And something's happening while I'm preaching today that's subtle, you don't even know about yet, but I want to show you something, okay? I'm going to use the illustration right here It's in front of you. I'm walking around on what I'm going to call the lower level of life where the earth and the world defines us. In just a minute, in just a minute, I'm going to step up here and talk to you about what God says you are. But for purposes of illustration, we're down here in the world right now. So the world tells me I'm this and this and this. In fact, in fact, the world wants to lower you even on down here into the darkness. Where you find yourself going, I don't know. You might even be here this morning and you are less than 20 years of age. And you're looking going, that man, that's an old preacher. How would he know? Well, I was 16 once. And I grew up in a family of a very abusive father. I watched him. I won't talk a lot about this. I watched him literally beat my mom. Beat her. Like I've been held at gunpoint. Anybody here says you don't understand. I've been held at gunpoint by my own father. And during those years, one time my father, um, in one of these earthly moments, he said out loud to my mom, I remember as a little kid, I wasn't even planning on sharing this in the message, but I'm gonna, because maybe it relates to somebody here. I was probably nine, ten, and my dad, in one of my, what I would call, darkest moments, Um, I heard him in the bedroom talking to my mom and he said this phrase. Him and mom were arguing about something and he was mad at me and I was just a little kid and he said, all I can tell you is I just wish that kid would have never been born. I heard it. Y'all know how long that shaped me? Jane and I had been married for years and I would still wake up in the middle of the night crying. She said, why are you crying? I'm remembering what dad said. Because on those days... I'm going to use a Greek word here, when you're really sucking, when you just suck. That's a joke. But uh, um, on those days when you suck, you know, Satan just beats the crap out of you. And he gets you over here in the darkness where the world says you're no good anyway. And you hear that little phrase in your mind going, well, daddy said this, or mama said this, or somebody said this about me. All of a sudden, it starts defining us. That was the second thing, what people say about you. There's somebody sitting in here today. You've been defined a lot by what you do in life by what somebody said about you: yeah. Yeah. former spouse, your parents, coworker. Henry Nowen's dead on it when he says, "This is who we become." I, in a minute, I'm going to step up here and tell you what God says you are, but for purposes of right now, um, we live almost 24 7 in a world that tries to define us. Tries to define our family, tries to decide what we're about. Third thing that now said is what we do. I'm sorry, what we have, because I did what we do, Jordan, what people say about us us. The third, what we have. If I said another name right now, you would have a thought. If I said the name Elon Musk, who is that? You'd go, Oh my, billionaire. What we have. I would tell you that Elon Musk wake up. I, in fact, I saw in the news this week his daughter is disowning him. Just this week, his, his daughter said, I don't want anything to do with you anymore and I, I want to change my last name. Wow. Wow. I'll bet you Elon Musk woke up sometime early in the morning, 2.33 o'clock, and wondered, what's my money good for? Can't buy my daughter. So today... In a world that does this to us, I'm going to add a fourth thing to what Henry Nowen said. I'm going to add a fourth thing that defines us. It's this. In our society, in our culture, 2022, I think that Henry Nowen would add this next thing, and that's this. We are who we say we are. Like, I'll tell you what I am today. I'll tell you what this and I'll base it on my feelings for the day. That's where we are as a society. I know that this message is one that if we put it out there, somebody would go, why is he being so mean? No, I'm I'm trying to love you and help you understand that those things are not what define you because those things, every one of them will fall flat. They all fall flat. What I'm going to do today... It's so fun. I get to preach this message from God's Word. I'm going to step up here, and I'm going to tell you what God's Word says that you are. I'm only going to use two verses. There's thousands of them in the Word. I'm just going to use two this morning, because that's all the time I've got. But I want to show you two things that God says that we are. You need to get this. Teenager in the room today, you need to get this. Oh my goodness, going back as a boy growing up in the Carolinas. In my teen years, I needed to hear this message because I'd let the world and my dad and everything else, my size, my brother had a nickname for me, all those things determined who I felt and how I felt about myself. And then I stepped up here and started reading this word and found out I'm not that. I'm way above that. And today I want to show you two things the Word of God says about us. The first one is in the book of Philippians. I'm sorry, the first one's in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Here's what the Word of God says. Listen, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's take our time and think about it. I know you can't see it on the screen. You are God's handiwork. What that means is, look, look at this, you have his personal touch. I got to define this for you. Every time you've ever seen a preacher bring out clay, you already go, ah, in the clay. I know the wheel thing. I got it. I got it. Hang with me a second. I'm not going to sit here and shape it and mold it. I'm not going to do that. That's another sermon and illustration. I'll leave that one for Elijah. <laughs> what I want to show you today is, this is the potter. This is God, if you will. This is you. God created you. We're going to use This is not God, but we're going to use it for illustration. God reached down and personally touched you. Let me illustrate it. God in heaven. This is, this is the way I see it. God in heaven thought. Where... Where could I put a child that it would be the most sacred and most spe- Oh, I know. I'll put it right here in mom. You, you understand there's lots of things in the animal kingdom <laughs> that drop eggs. God, God could have said, because you ladies are carrying eggs, God could have said, all right, every now and then pop one out, poom, eggs going to fall. <laughs> he didn't do that. He didn't do that. God, God put a little baby in a womb, and said, boy, that that mama bear will protect that child. And I'll put it in a a little sacred pouch, and I'll put it in a place where it can't be harmed and can't be hurt. And that's where God made you. Joel just prayed that. Before you were even born, God knew you were going to be there. He predetermined you to be there. That's what the Word says. It said right in the verse, (laughs) which God prepared in advance for you. Listen to me, listen to me. God made this little baby in the womb, and, and, and while you were there, it began to shape you and mold you. Yeah. I, my favorite color is blue. I have no idea why. It must have been because God created that in me. When I see blue, I, I love blue. Somebody else loves another color. Why? I don't know. Because <laughs> that's the way God made me. He shaped me, and He worked on me. And I want you to see something. You got to get this. You are not this. You are this. This is what's getting down in our world. People go, I'm this. No, you're not. No, no. Jump back up here and realize I'm not the creator. I'm the creation he made. So I can prove my point. Uh, just the other day on my phone, I received a message. You know, I, I just like you, I got all the apps and everything on my phone, so I get updates and thoughts and ideas, and I got this message, and it was, it was a message from a, you know, a Grammy Award winner, kind of send a message out. I'm not going to say the name. I'll tell you why in a moment. If you're here and you're 16, 17, 18, if I said the name, instantly know them. If you're my, my age and older, you have no idea who this is. <laughs> but this young lady, who's a Grammy Award winner, And I'm going to step down here while I read her phrase on purpose. She's shaping millions of lives. She's got millions upon millions of Twitter followers. And she said this. So I don't see myself as a woman solely. I I feel all of my energy. Oh, well, I feel like I'm God. I'm so much bigger than all that. And since I'm God, I am everything. So she's saying she's this. I want to show you today, look, 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 those of you who are a little younger, don't think I'm just an old, dumb preacher. I'm trying to tell you the Word of God says that what she said is not true. And this, this word, this word, this word lasts forever. This young lady, she, she won't. Now, I got I to go back. So, when I was youth pastor... I want to tell you how the Lord is maturing me as a person. And I want to apologize. I'll, I'll tell you right now, I need to apologize. Because when I was 30, 31, youth pastor at Central, I would have said her name to you just now. And I would have had some kind of little funny joke about her. And I would have got you as my constituents to laugh. And you would have laughed about it. I don't do that anymore because I look at this young lady's name now. When I first read this, my heart broke for her. I used to would have poked a little fun at her. I'm older now. smarter, wiser. I stopped and prayed for her. Because without God, I'd be the same as her. I, I want to tell you something. You aren't going to reach the lost by making fun of them. We've we got to be bridge builders. If I ever meet this lady, if she were to happen online to watch somehow see part of sermon today, I want her to look and go, that dude, that dude is showing kindness to me. I, I love you. If you ever read this, I care about your eternal soul. And, and you're lost. And I'm not saying that as a put down. It's not my opinion. The Word of God says you are not creator. You are this. And you're lost right now. Reading your phrase tells me, you don't understand what you are. And I want you to know, I want you to know, you, want, you aren't this. And here's why. Like, let, let me just say it real easy. And I'm stealing this from Job, but can you feed all the fish in the bottom of even, even the Great Lakes today? I drove down from Highland this morning. It's about an hour drive. I saw birds in the air, et cetera. Did you feed those? No. No, you're not creator, You're created. And I want you today to hear that God the Father is the creator. We're just part of his plan. But we're a beautiful part. And what I don't like is this stinking world takes this blob and just beats it up. It falls flat. And then all of a sudden you're like, look at me. I'm just just like a pancake. And God says, no, 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 no. I got you. I'll shape you. That that pancake party you dan where your dad dropped you and said you're nothing, he wishes you weren't born, let me take that and use that for my glory. Because you're gonna you're going you're gonna you're gonna meet some little kid someday, might even be sitting at Overflow Church. And, and maybe today as you're preaching, some kid finds a little bit of hope. Just go tell him, tell her, I am their creator. Y'all, y'all ever watch Antique Roadshow? Y'all know what that is, Antiques Roadshow? It's a show on PBS. Usually like last night, tonight, where I'm just chilling a little bit, and I'll go through the little menu, and, you know, it's amazing in our world. you got 8,450 channels, and I can't find anything I want to watch. <laughs> and then I'll usually hit Antique Roadshow, and I love it. It's people lining up with their junk. You know, they come with their junk a mile long. They're standing out there, wait for hours. To walk up to some proprietor, some expert who's going to look at them and tell them if they got something. And your whole goal, if you're in line at Antique Roadshow, your goal is that somebody would come touch you and say, Walk over here. Oh, I must have something, you know? So <laughs> I was watching, and this lady, the proprietor, had taken it and put it on a little stand, this, this little painting. This little painting. And, you know, if you've watched the show, it's, you're all the time, you think, Oh, how much is that worth? So the proprietor over here is going, well, ma'am, where where did you get this? Well, the other day I I happened on a garage sale and I bought it. (laughs) How much did you pay, ma'am? Five bucks. And he said to her, do you know what you have? And she said, I sure don't. He proceeded to tell her that it was an original painting of some Wonderful artist, and if you know anything about art, you know the art's not what makes it valuable, it's the artist. The name on it. And he began to tell her, and he began to talk to her, and he said, Ma'am, do you realize you paid five bucks, but this thing is worth into the many, 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 many thousands? To which she goes, Serious? Like, you know, she, did, she was walking with an underarm, right? Leaving there, she's like, ha, ha, ha. That's what God does for us. Yeah. Yeah. Out here, out here in the world, can I tell you, I'm a $5 piece of junk. Not even worth a yard sale. And God says, step up here, Seaborn." Can I, can I tell you how valuable your life is to me? Can I, be the, can I be the one who defines your worth? I mean, after all, I did paint you. I did make you. Are you going to believe the crap this world throws at you? Hey, millennials and younger in here, are you going to believe this freaking world? Is that allowed here? Are you going to believe this freaking world and all the junk they say to you, etc.? Are you going to believe that? Or will you potentially this morning step up onto the stage of the real life, the life found in Jesus Christ? You're not a piece of junk. God is on this side, got you on a pedestal going, do you see what I see in you? Do you realize, do you, much, you know how much I need to insure you for? <laughs> you are very important to my kingdom. Yes. You're looking at a dude who did not believe that in here. I did not believe that. I could almost cry when I think of the times in my life where Satan invalidated me. As a little boy, then, when my daughter Anna went wayward and I was living through five years of hell on earth not even knowing where she was at. I remember at nights when I would wake up in the morning and Satan just... <laughs> you really think your preaching's making any difference in this world? Your own daughter doesn't want to hear you. You're worthless. But God, God had another plan. It was God one morning at 2.30 in the morning when I was sitting there by myself this this is honestly what happened. I was sitting there going, God, I, I don't want to do this thing called parenting anymore. I, I can't do it. I, I can't handle it. I would, I would travel and preach and I would have my phone in my back pocket or I would lay it right here because I would say to my wife if she wasn't with me, text me or call me if something comes up. And there were times I was literally preaching and I would look down and say, that's a text from Jane. And I'd be like, oh, she would only text me if there's more bad news. And I would leave walking off stage to go into a green room to call my wife to try to deal with this wayward child. And I remember one morning, about two thirty, three in the morning, I was sitting looking out my back window of my house. I couldn't sleep, <laughs> and I'm telling you, God just gave me a wonderful thought. It, it was I was sitting there going, "God, I can't do this. I, I feel like a failure." Um, when I walk up, people will clap for me to preach, but God, I don't, I don't, that clapping's actually really bothering me because they don't know how broken I am. They don't know how hurting I am. I don't want to preach. You admit that? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was even a little frustrated with God, I'm just being honest with you, I, I was a little bit like, God, I travel in peace for you every weekend and you're going to do this to me? Right, right, right. Like God owes me. Yeah, like God, God, don't you see all I'm doing for the kingdom? <laughs> You're like, Dan, I don't owe you anything. Even the breath you just took, that was a free one from me. I don't owe you anything. This had to change inside me, and I remember sitting there one morning, and, and then the Lord laid this thought on my heart, you ready? Ready? The Lord laid on my heart. I'm sitting there at 2.30, don't know where my daughter's at. Wife's in there asleep. I'm struggling, and I felt like the Lord just said, hey, Dan, Answer a question for me. How did my first kid turn out? Oh, yeah, Adam. He really fricked it up. <laughs> right. Dan, did you ever blame me for that? No, he just made terrible choices. Right. You're not a perfect dad, and you're not a perfect man. But sometimes your children just make poor choices. Quit carrying all the weight of that. You go do what I called you to do. I'll work on your daughter. That's why I said at the beginning, only he can woo hearts. If if a dad could woo hearts, that girl would have just been running home. (laughs) I didn't woo her heart. In fact, anything I said to her made her even more angry. In fact, I said to her when she came back home, I said, why did you come back home? She said, because you finally left me alone. God could work on her, see, when I shut up. We'll talk about some of that tonight. That ought to bring you back. <laughs> but the Lord that night brought me up on this place. And I got to tell you what happened. I started laughing. It was 30 in the morning. I was just laughing. I, it was a, I'm okay laugh. It was a, my, I don't know where my daughter is, but God, you got me. I'm, I'm going to be okay. I don't like it. I wish I wasn't here, but... You know, it says he'll give you a joy that you can't understand. I was going, is this that joy, Lord? Because I should not be laughing. My daughter is way where She's lost. She might die. I shouldn't be laughing. Why am I laughing? Because right. he gives a joy that can't be taken away. The world will beat the, sorry, I was going to say it, hell out of you. And Jesus gives a joy even in the middle of that. I, Maybe this isn't connecting, but I'm guessing. Maybe maybe I came down here to preach to two people today, but somebody in here today, you're hurting, and you're down here, and the world has beat you up. And even phrases—I mean, my own daughter said to me things that a dad should never have to hear. It was awful. But when God got me up on the little pedestal and said, "Hang on a second, you're not garage sale material." You're my kid. Made in my image for my glory. My handiwork is on you. You're good. And I want you to know today, every one of you, God has you on his pedestal saying, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh uh -uh. you are not an accident. When you were in your mama's womb, I was working on you. I knew all the stuff that was going to come to your life. My brother says this phrase, and I I stole it from him. It's a great line. He says, God can write straight using crooked lines. The second little point I want to make to you is another verse of Scripture. It comes from the book of Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. I want you to hear this. It says, our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now, I want you to get this. Paul, who wrote it, lived in Rome, okay? He was a Roman citizen. And I want you to know, he was proud to be. Like, he worked it. He used Like, when they would beat him and stuff, he'd go, whoa, whoa, I'm a Roman citizen. Then they would be like, whoa, we shouldn't have done that. He, he worked it, man. He was proud of his citizenship. But then he said, but I want you all to know, this is not my ending. My ending is in heaven. So, if you're here today and you are 16, 15, 14, 8, whatever age you are, when I say things like this, uh, I can travel back in time, okay? Because when I was your age, and I would see a preacher come to my church, my age. Like, you guys look up here, and I know, you wouldn't say it to me out loud, but there's a part of you going, oh, near death. I mean, it just goes with it, you know? (laughs) I look old. I got it. I get it. So when I say things like, my citizenship's in heaven, you're thinking, well, yeah, it better be, because you ain't got much longer here. Yeah, I get it. (laughs) But I want to step back down here and tell you, if your citizenship is here, oh my goodness, (laughs) it doesn't answer the problems of life. If you can 16-year-old, if you can grasp what I'm saying to you today, I promise you the days ahead there's going to be something coming your way that this will be your answer. Being able to come up here and establish yourself solidly that your citizenship is in heaven, not this earth. When I travel, I have something called a passport. Many of you probably have one. I went and I bought it, got it. You know, you have to go get one. It takes you about half a year, it feels like, but you get one. When I come back from another country and I arrive at what's called Customs, when I walk up to Customs, hello, sir, how you doing? Uh, You got any fruit? They always love to talk to you about fruit. No, no fruit, got no fruit, no bananas in my bag, I'm good, I'm good. What you been doing? I tell them what I've been doing. Let me see your passport. And I hand them this little blue passport. They open it up, and they open it up to an absolutely horrendous picture (laughs) that looks just like me. (laughs) And they go, well, that's you. Sir, come on in. That little blue, without that little blue book, I wouldn't get in. But that little blue book, at the end of my life, when this journey's over, if I get to that day, Hebrews talks about judgment day, and I step up and I say to God Almighty, well, I got, I got my passport." The things of this world will not answer on this day. My citizenship on this day must be in Jesus Christ in heaven. And I will stand before God Almighty and I will say, um, I asked Jesus into my heart. And because of that, ready? We don't hear this word very often, this phrase very often. The Bible says in Revelations, on that day, when I asked him into my life, my name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We don't talk about it in life. God has a book. If you've accepted Him, your name's in it. Let me just tell you, on that day, God, would you please look in the book? I'm there. I've believed in your Son, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. I, I don't really care about any... Hey, li- listen to me. Have y'all, y'all noticed in our society, this world seems to really be caught up in names, especially of political figures. The Bible says, do not boast about a man. You're going to boast about something. You're going to boast about something. Get up here. Like, if I can just say this, okay? I, can, I, can I just say, be careful what you post. Don't post about men. Post about our Heavenly Father. Leave people with something that's Eternal. This junk down here, yeah, you're going to get all kind of opinions and thoughts and everything else. But I'm going to tell you something. After you become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are above that nonsense. That's of this world. But up here, my citizenship is in heaven. Now, somebody here going, Dan, we should be involved. Absolutely. I told you, Paul was a Roman citizen, proud of it. I vote, I'm into that stuff, I I do my my duty. But that's not the end for me. My end is greater and higher. And the name of Jesus Christ supersedes all names. And if I'm going to boast and I'm going to toast, I'm going to toast to the one who is my Savior. Just don't forget that. We'll leave here, we'll hit the exits, and we'll live in this world. But do not talk and walk and act like this is your end. This is not your end. Your end is... You have a much higher calling. In fact, I would tell you, this, this little this stage needs to be about 20 foot lower to see the difference that this stage makes. Because when you figure this out, let me tell you what changes. Your family. Your leadership in the family. The way you do what you do. You know, last night... This is really fitting. I didn't think about this till just now. Last night, uh, my daughter, the one who was wayward, with Jane out of town, I just called her. I said, hey, let's meet for dinner. So we had dinner together downtown. We just sat outside. And she was talking to me about how joyful her life is now, now that she's finding her identity in Jesus. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to tell you something. This daddy who went through all those years, do you know how fun it is to sit there and just hear her boasting about Jesus? And then she said to me, Dad, I went back and I read a text that you wrote me in the middle of those five years. She said, you had no reason to send me a text like that. But the text was something... I'm not boasting about myself. I'm just telling you, I was so thankful. I'd sent her a text that just said, Hey, baby doll, her name was Bubbles growing up. So, hey, Bubbles, no matter where you get in life, no matter what Satan tries to do to you, I, as your dad, will never stop loving you. And she said, Dad, I didn't deserve that text. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, that's what the Heavenly Father gives to me all the time. I don't deserve his text. I don't deserve his love. I don't deserve him putting me on the pedestal going, you ain't worthless, boy. Because I want to tell you something about Dan C. Warren. I got issues. Anybody here got issues? I got issues. Like, Dan, you don't have a perfect life? Are you kidding? You're not a perfect man? Are you kidding? I have nothing to boast about me. But I can boast in the one who saved me, who called me, who still has his hand on me. And I want to tell you, I need this. I need him to keep shaping and refining. I want to be the best dad and the best husband I can be in my last third of my life. I'm I'm toward that part. But I want my family to see, dad's shapeable. Dad's not hard. Dad's softening. He's realizing it's not about him and what he thinks. It's about the king and the creator. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you with a couple of takeaways this morning. Worship team's going to come up and close us out in a song. And as they're coming, I'm going to leave you with two takeaways. I want you to listen carefully to these. The first one is, today can be the beginning of you really discovering what your purpose is and living into that in your family. Your family today can begin to discover what you're really on the earth for. I ask people this question all the time. I get to sit with business executives. I sat the other day with millionaires around the table. I'm just a dumb preacher, and I looked at them, and I said to all of them, multi-millionaires, and I said to all of them, we're going to go around the table. I want you to tell me why you were put on the earth. You should have seen them. Uh, today, I want you to know why you're on the earth. Because God the Creator put you here for a purpose to fulfill for His glory. I'm not here today for me. I'm here today to honor Jesus. And then the second thing. So I have this little stool in my office. When I write a message, I go sit on this little stool. And I kind of preach it in my mind. And I think about it. And I did that with this message. And when I was sitting on the stool, here's something the Lord very clearly told me to end this message with. There were no turtle doves. Nothing hit the wall. It wasn't anything like that. But I sensed in my spirit to say, maybe it's just for one, maybe it's for five. Listen to me very carefully. Stop striving so hard to figure out your identity. Jesus already did that. He identified you as his child, his creation. Don't beat yourself up the rest of your life trying to find yourself. God did that already. I don't know what it means for you today, but I know I'm supposed to say the words, Stop striving. So I speak peace over you today. I close this message praying peace over you today. After the song, Elijah's going to come up. I've asked him, I'm under his leadership today. I'm just here to serve. I want to come alongside him. I believe in him and what he's doing here. Encouraged him this morning. To keep it up. But I'm going to pray that you would be a congregation, a group here in Benton Harbor. Listen to me people in benton arbor need to know that their identity is not here that their identity is here and you live in that example you living that example will begin to set that stage for people's lives to be touched so lord god i pray over overflow today pray for those who are watching online those who have found or looking for identity and all kind of stuff I remember Anna, my daughter, yesterday literally saying these words to me. Dad, everybody in the world who's struggling don't realize it, but what they're looking for is God to fill their empty soul. So true. Thank you, Lord, that a young girl who had lost her way found that. And I pray today in this room, anybody who's lost their way would find identity again this morning in you. Somebody who's striving so hard this morning would find a peace in you that goes beyond any understanding. The same peace you gave me at 2.30 when I shouldn't have had any. So come today and comfort our souls, our spirits. Bless this fellowship. Put your angels around it and your hand all over it. And this morning, remind us we're created for a purpose that brings glory to your name. And we love you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's sing this together.